Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. Bears rush for Cousins to the end zone. Touchdown! Adam Thielen with a touchdown. He has two. The snap. Pocket starts to close and Foles has nowhere to go. He can't escape. Finally gets rid of the football at the last second. It's bouncing around. They finally call it incomplete. And Foles is on his back. He's not getting up at the moment. This time he's hurt. Charles Leno Jr. asking for medical attention, and that's what will happen with 34 seconds to go. Low snap to Foles. Pocket started to close. He couldn't escape. And ultimately, they brought a card out for Foles and carted him off. It did not look good. It didn't look like he's coming back anytime soon. If I were a Bears fan, I'd gear up for Trubisky. The Bears are sagging after a 5-1 start, PK. The Vikings are picking up steam. They've won three in a row after a 1-5 start. But the way the top of the NFC is going, it's going to be hard for either one of these teams to get in the playoffs. Dang it. And I was hoping both would make it. That's how bad I want him in. Saints quarterback Drew Brees suffered multiple rib fractures. Both sides of his chest suffered a collapsed right lung. Two rib fractures on the right side. Ugh. The other three happened last week against the Bucks, and he just battled through it. Doctors have cautioned him to be careful especially with the damage to his lung. A little late for the being careful part, don't you think? Uh, I was playing football with broken ribs, Doc. Hey, Drew, be careful. <laughs> Thanks, Isn't Doc. that what doctors always say? Be, be careful. careful. Timetable for his return is undetermined. Seems like it's at least two to three weeks. We'll be up there in that four or five week. Basically, will they get him back for a game or two before the playoffs? Really? Well, you know, if he's listening to Doc and being careful. If he's not being careful, maybe they get him earlier. Ah, it's just five broken ribs. I'll plow through it. Give me that rib protector and shoot me up, Doc. Well, there's at least one quarterback who would tell you to be careful with that. Hey, Tyrod. Saints are 7-2. They're tied with the Packers for the best record in the NFC. So can they win with their backup quarterback? And in the long run, is that going to be Jameis Winston? How much Taysom Hill will there be? Uh, it's, it's just Atlanta, Atlanta and Denver, and then Atlanta and Philly. So it's a manageable stretch of schedule here if they get some decent quarterback play. It's not like they are guaranteed to fall off the uh, fall out of the playoff race. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Well, I guess that depends on whether we're on the road or at home. That, that factors into it and the timing for us is just you know we, we don't look past any opponent uh, uh, other than that week and so for me get it done as soon as you can so that gives us time to when we're done with our, our, our current game we can move on to scouting them and, and getting that done I, I watched the Cal UCLA game on Sunday you know and 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 that that seemed like a quick turnaround and I think it worked out for both teams to, to be able to get that game going but uh, for us, if you want to get our best look, I think you have to give us a week of preparation. But I think it's the right thing to do on both sides. There's Kalani Sataki talking about how much lead time BYU would need to play a game if Tom Homo schedules a game here late in the season. Our own Yak with a question to 
Get that answer, PK. The kids are all grown up. Good work, Yak. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, if it happens, it happens. Until then, it's just talk. 12th rank Miami will not play for the next two weeks. They got an outbreak of COVID inside the uh, team. The ACC is reshuffling the next three games and a number of games around the conference, trying to take use of the bye weeks, get games in. Miami was short 13 players against Virginia Tech. Nearly had to uh, postpone and maybe cancel that game. But now they've had more positive tests, so they're absolutely going to have to reschedule things going forward. Number 12, Miami. Their only loss is to Clemson. Might have a decent chance at uh, getting into a New Year's Six Bowl. Maybe we'll see them in the Orange Bowl. Oh, yeah. That would be a, a logical thing there for them. They're not going to play for two weeks because of COVID, right? Is that what yep. you're saying? Yep. And I read in the LA Times, legislators from California and other states are gathering for an annual conference in Maui this week. Yeah, right. Those guys are getting busted for that. And then I have mm-hmm. Newsom, the governor of California. Hey, nobody's perfect. Party. Nobody's perfect. And his kids go to school while yours don't. Yeah. Right on. Way to go, guys. Break. Miami and Florida in the Orange Bowl. USC and Notre Dame in the Fiesta. BYU and Cincinnati in the Peach. Texas A&M versus whoever finally wins the Big 12. One of their old uh, Big 12 teams. Maybe it's Oklahoma State, unless, I don't know, Oklahoma rallies to win the league or something. There, I've lined them up, PK. I give you credit, man. You're going to be you're going to go down with the ship that this is going to be a legitimate comp, uh, football season. I want games football. that entertain me. Miami and Florida don't play every year. That would entertain me. USC and Notre Dame. Come on, that game entertains you. You know you want to see it. I give you credit, man. You're going down with the ship. Good for you. Stick to your guns. A USA Today report alleges that several LSU officials had knowledge of sexual assault allegations made against former running back Darius Geis and other football players neither ignored the complaints or denied the victim's request for protection. The report also states three cases in which football players were found responsible for sexual assault and were allowed to stay on campus, receiving deferred suspensions, which amounted to probation. Somebody wants to win really badly, PK, if those allegations are true. Oh, yeah, I expect the media to be all over this, man. They just, uh, they better go crazy, these national folks. I better see some stuff. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Well, David Locke came on the air. He's with us every Friday. And he said, by the time I'm back next week, free agency will start. And ought to be, I'm expecting big names to change teams. So we're not quite to the draft. It's tomorrow. Uh, but already we're hearing stuff. The Rockets' James Harden turns down a two-year contract extension for $103 million. Could have been the first $50 million player. But he doesn't want a contract extension. He wants to join the Brooklyn Nets, and he wants the Rockets to trade him. Well, they there, don't have to trade him. They don't have to trade him. Is there any way that would work in Brooklyn with those three guys? Maybe Harden gives up shots. Maybe Durant gives up shots. Yeah, but I mean, Kyrie so Irving. you you want to guarantee? That's that's how you make your trades. You want to guarantee? I mean, that does that doesn't happen. So sure, there's a way it works. Absolutely, there's a way it works. Is it guarantee? No. Rockets trading Robert Covington to the Blazers for Trevor Ariza, a 2020 first round pick, and a protected 2021 first round pick. So are they going to start moving all the pieces around Harden because they think they are going to deal him in Westbrook? Should we read into that? Or they just didn't want Covington, wanted to shed some salary maybe? Uh, yeah, I don't know. 
that doesn't do anything for me either way. Most of these moves yesterday, and there was a bunch of them, not really sure it changes much. Drew Holiday, he's 30 now. He's headed to the Bucks. Sacramento Kings forward Bogdan Bogdanovich also headed to the Bucks. Bucks are sending Eric Bledsoe and former Jazz guard George Hill and three first-round picks to the Pelicans for Holiday. So I guess they're pretty sure they're going to hold on to Ante Kempo because if you're losing Giannis, you'd probably want those draft picks, wouldn't you? The, the draft picks are an interesting thing, you know, because he doesn't have here on the list, but they, the Chris Paul thing went down yesterday, uh, and they're getting some more picks. And that between now and 2026, was it? Do they have 17 first-round picks? And is that really the way to build through all these picks? And a lot of them are, you know, way late in the first round. Uh, so these picks for the Bucks, I mean, because, you know, they got onto the combo, but they got him in the teens, right? So he wasn't really a high first-round pick anyway. He was a foreign guy who was overlooked, obviously, to the level of his talent. And these rest of these guys that they're trading, they weren't draft picks. You know, Bledsoe was a trade. Hill has bounced around the league a thousand different places. So I, I just wonder, you know, how much... You have to have draft picks, I understand, but how valuable are draft picks in and of themselves? Potentially they're valuable. Their trade value, you could turn around and spin them. It's an interesting situation with these draft picks now in terms of how valuable they actually are. Kevin O'Connor would always refer to them as assets. You know, when the Jazz were really bad right after Stockton alone, he would take bad contracts, cut the players, let them go play wherever they wanted, but while he was taking that bad contract, he'd take back a draft pick or two. And they're assets. You know, you they go down the road, assets, depending though. on how much they are, uh, what happens to a team, and you can't really predict what, you know, is that going to be a, uh, a fourth pick, a 14th pick, a 24th pick? Do you want one or two of them, and you package the rest and trade them? So you're right, it's a little squishy, but you'd rather have them than not. I mean, the Celtics have yeah. done this, and they've piled up a bunch of them. Now they don't want them all this year, and they're widely expected to pull some kind of draft day trade. You know, you trade two of them to get a better one. You're right. It's hard to put a, a definitive value on them, but you'd rather have them than not. And then if you have them, do you utilize them well? I oh, mean, yeah. the Jazz, their high draft picks don't seem to work. You can whiff. Uh, a Cantor, Exum. I mean, Hayward was good, obviously. But their later picks have been better than their higher picks. Gobert, 27. Well, trade, but yeah. Uh, so... Uh, you just uh, I just don't know that just draft picks in and of themselves, I guess is what I'm saying, is really the way to go. DeMar DeRozan exercised his player option. He's going to stay in San Antonio. Spurs missed the playoffs this year. He'll be back with them. And the Mavs are not going to have Chris Depp's Porzingis at the start of the season. Uh, they're saying that he'll... Uh, they're going to clear him for some work on January 1st, but not, not playing in games at that point, so... I would assume it'll be at least a couple weeks later. Seems like he's going to miss about a month. Uh, he's always hurt now. I mean, he missed a season, and then he was hurt in the playoffs, and now he's not ready to go. He's in the one thing after another with him. Meniscus in his right knee this time. Cartilage. They're tweaking that. So. It's bone on bone. I love that cliche. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. 
my guess is it was something that was in there uh, when he went and took the mound that you know was going to happen at some point or probably had already happened with that that giant start I think it was or whatever the doubleheader start I don't remember who it was Mariners or somebody like that when he made the doubleheader start at the end of the year and you know kind of felt something in that last inning you know and ultimately that ended up uh, that ended up you know being probably the reason why he's having the surgery right now. That's the Padres general manager, A.J. Preller. He's talking about Mike Clevenger. The Padres went out and made trades and got some pitching, and then we know that none of that pitching could really produce in the playoffs. It was uh, bad timing, so Clevenger's one of those guys who couldn't make the start. They were hoping he was going to make, so he's going to have Tommy John surgery. They gave him a two-year contract. He'll rehab in the first year, and then hopefully pitch well in the second year, giving him $11.5 million over two years as he rehabs. What's the percent... what, what do you Go think ahead. the percentages of people who have Tommy John surgery and come back are good and are good? Because I think it's a it's a pretty good number. Well, it's a, I think the issue was were they good before the surgery? Surgery isn't going to make you good, <laughs> and I don't think it's going to make you bad. Let's also I mean, be clear: this is advancements his, now. This is his second Tommy John surgery, and there's Daniel Hudson, who was the closer for Washington Correct. a year ago when they won the World Series. He had had two, so that. I don't know that that's really a big issue anymore. He's not going to be there for a year. I think that's a big issue. But they're not given a massive uh, financial investment. And actually, the investment, if he turns out to be what he's capable of being in uh, the what uh, 20, the season of 22, uh, he would be worth it. So Because he's, he's that caliber when he's on of being really good. And the Padres look like they've built something, as long as they don't tear it down, is sustainable for at least a couple of years, probably even more. Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, those are the leading names. The big names, the leading candidates returning to baseball's Hall of Fame ballot. In a year without any real favorites among the new names, nominees need 75, 75% of the ballots to get into Cooperstown. New names on the ballot this year, Tory Hunter who played here in, uh, plays AAA ball here in Salt Lake. Barry Zito, Tim Hudson, Mark Burley. Those other guys don't do it for me. They were nice players. I think Burley threw a a complete game, or uh, not a complete game, although that's rare. That's news, too, but that's not what I meant. I think he threw a perfect game. I think he threw a no-hitter. I have no problem with all three of those guys getting in. I mean, Clemens and Bonds have the credentials and obviously they have the steroid issues. Schilling's on the wrong side. I mean, you can be politically active if you're on one side and there's no problem. If you're politically active on another side, you're you're an outcast. But as far as a big game, dude, if you just go, you got a game to win in the World Series, he's not the only guy you're going to choose, but isn't he? Would be, wouldn't he be considered one of them? Well, there was a Red Sox World Series title, and he was instrumental in that, and then he was a big deal when the Diamondbacks won their title, so that's two pretty good examples right there. Yeah, he, don't we view him as a big-game pitcher? Yeah. And his career stats weren't bad. I mean, it's not like he's a guy. No, no they just weren't overwhelming. Right. And then he's been, some would say, for my taste, he's been a little too far out there politically. Uh, you know, I don't understand, but that's his right to do that. He's not Aubrey Huff, who's just way out there. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand what that guy's doing. Uh, but as far as baseball goes, I would have no problem putting all three of those guys in. Now, Clemens has basically gone underground. It's like we haven't heard much from him forever. Uh, 
Bonds has been in and out. But they're, I mean, who can debate their talent, really, all three of them? And I think especially with uh, Clemens and with Bonds that they did have the overwhelming numbers. And you can see, because of where they were in their career arc, when they started using uh, performance-enhancing stuff and they in my to my mind they had hall of fame numbers before they started using the pad yeah. they could have literally retired the day their stats take a bump and to me they were first ballot hall of famers so you can penalize them for doing it but it didn't make them hall of fame players now it I took a hall like, of fame player and made him an all-timer in bonds i would like to sit this to come out and just say hey yeah i wanted to win and i wanted to make as much money as i could okay <laughs> really I mean, if you're honest, all right. <laughs> it's not like the league was running around slapping guys with major penalties, right? No, especially when Bonds did yeah. it. It's kind of like Bonds watched everyone else do it and still didn't do it. And then finally was like, mm, they're just going to let these guys hit 60 and 70 home runs and make them the toast of town. I know I'm better in players than them, so I'm doing it. But he literally waited, it seems like, three to five years. Other guys well, were using three to five years earlier, and he wasn't. Plus, he's a sun devil, man. We need more sun devils. Okay, but how much of this is just unlikable? You know, how much is this you rubbed Who people cares? the wrong way when you play? Who cares? I, uh, the voters, apparently. Well, no, I think it's a steroid thing. So it's not whether he rubbed them wrong, because how many of those voters had intense inner reaction? Unless you were a beat guy for that particular team, I don't know that you had... That you know, I don't. I disagree with that. I don't think that that has anything to do with it. That may meant not anything. I think it's more along. They're not going to in, in put in who they consider cheaters. It's, it's the Pete Rose thing. I mean, I don't know that it's just about he rubbed them wrong. Eddie Murray would, never gave an interview, never, and they voted him in. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener. It's Shamrock Plumbing, 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, that's what's going on today. There are your headlines coming up. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, joins us for his weekly visit at 8.05. Kyle Whittingham's media availability is at 8.30. So you got you covered on college football. And Brian Kalbrowski, NBA draft writer for Hoops Hype and USA Today Sports Group. Media editor is going to join us at 9 o'clock right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. He'll be talking drafts, so stay with us. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. To steal Bowler's phrase, buckle up, because it's going to be wild here in the NBA for the next couple of weeks, and certainly already off to a a big start with a big trade in the NBA. Oklahoma City Thunder, they have 16 first-round draft picks in the next seven drafts. But we've got the draft on Wednesday, free agency begins Friday. Things are about to get real nuts real fast. This is one thing that every sports fan in this state will be keenly interested in, is what's going to happen here. It's going to be fun to see what major changes are made, and even some of the minor changes might be impactful. The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes Your Toast is brought to you by Jerry Signer Cadillac. Get 0% financing for up to 72 months plus a $2,500 purchase allowance on a new 2020 XT4, XT5, or XT6. Shop your way at Jerry Signer Cadillac.
Question of the morning. We are here on the eve of the draft, PK. Tomorrow night, the Jazz will make their selection. So, now, what are the expectations? How confident are you that the Jazz will get a rotation player for this season in the NBA draft? Lock. Lock? As in David Lock? No, that, that commercial. Lock. Lock. Puts me to trance, man. I had to snap out of it. <laughs> Lock. Well, we got funny people here, PK. <laughs> Their wives think they are. Alex, I am just as confident as Utah State winning a single football game this season. Ooh, man. The Aggies go 0 and 8. That'd be the worst in history, right? Steve says the NBA is dead. No, it's not. Millions of dollars changing hands. Giving you other ideas. Uh, I want to wait, and I don't. I don't care if it's dead nationally and all that stuff, or internationally, because I never give a rip about TV ratings. My life is not based on TV ratings. They're one hundred percent irrelevant to me. It's what I like, and if my neighbor doesn't like it, I don't give a crap. I like it. But as far as that goes, and the decline and all that stuff, and you know the social movement, if that mattered for some, it does. I understand that, but generally speaking, I have to see. You know, what type of hold, A, is it really something that will stick? What stickability does it have? And then secondly, since everything was out of whack this last year, once we get back to normal, so you got to give it a couple of years, you know, then. And I get the NBA people would be concerned about that. Then I have, that's their jobs and all. It's not my job. My job is to watch the games and talk about the sport and talk about the moves and who should they trade and who should they draft and all that stuff, that which I consider fun. I consider I have the most fortunate part of it. I don't have to worry about the financial aspect of it. That's other guys and other people. But I, you know, I get that they, they do. But I think we have to give that at least a couple of years in all the sports, for that matter, not just the NBA, to see what difference that really makes. And so with that in mind, you know, you, let's check back and – 2023 basically but for now it's about the draft and you know what can the jazz do and and i hold them to a level of expectation and i don't care what the stats say i mean there's a couple nerds out there who love that you know you're gonna get the stats say drafting 11 to whatever get you this percentage will be rotation players blah 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 if if the percentage is zero okay but the percentage isn't zero and every year if not every year, most every year, there's somebody in your group, whatever group that number is of draft picks, there's always somebody, if not multiple somebodies, who make contributions. And your charge, whoever your management is, in this case Dennis and Justin, they're charged if they should execute it, if they don't trade it or what have you, they're charged with finding someone who can help make the team better. And that's my standard. Well, it's funny you should mention trading the pick because that comes up and Rob says, as part of a trade, maybe. Very well could be. And if that's what they deem appropriate, great. My job's to second guess, not first guess. So uh, have at it and let's see what you come up with. But I'm not going to blow it off. Oh, just because you're drafted in the mid-20s, your chances of getting someone based on what somebody else did and their incompetence somehow allows you to be off the hook. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, maybe it was their confidence. 
or their competence that got someone drafted who paid off. Exactly. Yes. Yes. The Precisely. thing is, you qualified the question with this year. How many of them come in and and hit as a rookie? Some do. Would you take if um, guy who went in the twenties uh, two years ago, uh, Landry Schmidt came in and uh, made an impact with the Clippers? If you got that kind of payoff off a draft pick, you got those kind of minutes. You'd be okay with that. I don't have his the stuff in front of me. You must. So I got an old uh, draft. Tell me what they are. I can find. Off top of my head, I would say yes, but yeah. I haven't. I haven't really investigated old Landry to to feel. Uh, if you would have told me, I would have been prepared for it. I mean, based on just cursory knowledge of watching the Clippers, yes, but I can't remember where he went and and all that stuff. So I'd have to investigate that before I. Run my mouth. I know people find that hard to believe. They run my mouth. <laughs> he just pop off. I run my mouth. Yeah, <laughs> he was the twenty sixth pick. He was the twenty sixth okay, pick, and, and Philly, Philly took him and flipped him, and I think it was in the Tobias Harris deal. All right, and what? So what has he done? He's averaged nine or ten points a game. Yeah, you know he's he's in the rotation. He plays. Hit a few shots. What's his MPs? <laughs> his What's M- he getting? Uh, 27 minutes a game. I mean, he's definitely in the rotation. So then, yeah, the answer is yes. Yes. Yeah, not having known that off the top of my head. uh, Yeah. I mean, I look at Clarkson. I brought him up the other day when we had uh, Craig Bolajak on. He was in mid, I think he went like 40-something. And he was not a great Laker team. Now, the Jazz are different. I mean, they're they're in a much better spot. They're they're contending. You know, the way I look at it, basically you have – you're contending for a playoff spot. This Phoenix Suns move was a big deal for them. I mean, they were overloaded with sports. I was listening to them at the gym. They obviously had what they're calling the Hale Murray, you know, the playoff of uh, uh, Murray's last yeah. game. Yeah, you're Mary. pretty sure people want to talk uh, about that. Right. But then in the middle of it, they get the Chris Paul thing comes down. I mean, I mean, Chris Paul's a huge name in the NBA, right? I mean, he's been a big name. Interesting, he's been a big name, but he's been moved so many times. It's hard to recall all the teams he's played for. Normally, a player of that caliber doesn't move that much. Uh, but you have the, what they're shooting for. I look at like three tiers. They're shooting to make the playoffs, something they haven't done in like 10 or 11 seasons, right? Mm-hmm. So they're putting all their chips in to try to make the playoffs, all right? So you got that. That's that's like the lowest category. Then you've got uh, a, like a fringe NBA contender. Then you've got a serious NBA contender. So that's sort of the way I break it down into three tiers in – the NBA, and we'll just stick with the Western Conference, right? So you've got them and San Antonio now with their rebuilding. They would strive to be a playoff team, right? But I think the Jazz right now, I'd put them as a fringe NBA contender because in my mind, if you're competing for a top-four spot, most of the time, not necessarily always, but most of the time, that puts you in the 50-win category on a regular 82 and i know they're not playing 82 this next season but just for the sake of argument let's go with that since that's the standard that we know if you are in that category i put you as a fringe nba contender and then you have the hardcore nba contender which obviously the lakers are 
and we'll see about the Warriors and if they get their health back and where they slot in. But the last several years, minus this past season, obviously the Warriors have been in that category too. So for the Jazz, I put them at a fringe. Now they're trying to move into that serious contender category. Wherever you are, you're trying to move up, right? Or trying to maintain if you're already in that upper level. So there's like three tiers. And I put the Jazz in, and since they're in that second tier trying to move into the first, you wonder how much of a impact a youngster, as particularly now more than ever, when we say youngster, underscore the term youngster a lot of times, right? Literally, in some cases, teenagers uh, that they might be drafting. And so, really, what do you expect on that? Because if you look at it and put it in the Gobert sense, you know, what was he contributing early on? He was behind Cantor, of all people. You know, Cantor, who was interested in a joke, not interested in, in defending anything. He was interested in making a, a funny remark. And, like, you had all sorts of immaturity. But two, three years down the road, four years down the road, where's Gobert? You take that every single time. Right, which comes back to the qualifier that you put in the question. Which is, uh, how confident are you the Jazz will get a rotation player for this season? You know, they need to get someone who's good. Right, and the reason why I put that qualifier in, because would you agree with my three levels of categories to put them in the fringe contending? A hundred percent. It's not like they can afford to give some rookie... 30 minutes, go develop, son, because we're not winning this year anyway. That's not where the Jazz are at. It's why they've got a G League team. You've got to keep developing, so I view it as a pipeline. I don't think the guy that they draft tomorrow night, now they may hit. You do once in a while. Right. Certainly they did with Donovan Mitchell, and they were drafting a little higher. Uh But who's to say that they aren't going to trade up Wednesday night either? I don't know that. Yeah. Exactly, right. right? So all options are out there, but the odds are – that they need to draft someone who's going to develop, who's going to be a rotation guy in a couple of years. The thing is, there have been guys in the pipeline, and you know everybody probably has their favorite. Maybe you think it's Mieoni, maybe you think it's Tucker. I don't think we've seen enough of them to know, but one of those three guys needs to develop and be a rotation guy this year. To me, that's where... I don't know if they can. No, really? You saw enough of them, you think yeah. that they, they whiffed on all those guys? And granted, I mean, oh, those no, are second-round no, no. guys. Would, no, that whiffing is the extreme. I just said I don't know if they can. I didn't say I think, they can't. Okay, I think that's more likely than hitting. And you know, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to trade up. It depends, I don't know if they. Though. It does. It it does. But I think the odds are against it. But it doesn't mean again. I it doesn't mean it can't the happen. The odds don't. The, I don't care about the odds. That's somebody else's pick that determines the odds. That's not my pick. That determines the odds. I've put in, I'm speaking in now first person as if I'm Jay-Z or Dennis. I've put in all this work. My scouting people are all yep. in. They're putting so much work in it. We know what these guys do in terms of hours and intensity and all. So I, I don't care what the odds are because that's somebody else's failure. Don't slap somebody else's failure on me. That, that seems so unfair. I want the opportunity to show I can succeed. And and maybe I'm getting caught up because I've been going through, I've been watching the NBA television uh, last night and, and several nights now because they're breaking down these guys, right? Mm-hmm. And they have uh, Andy Katz is on there interviewing uh, guys uh, like for Sean Miller. They got these three potential. I don't know that they'll all be first-round picks, but they've got Pace's son is one of them, but they've got uh, two other guys. So then they bring on Sean Miller and they talk about these guys and I've been looking and listening and watching, and I think there can be a player out there. Now, maybe I'm over 
uh, stating it, and especially in the Pac-12 guys, because I watch them. And there's like three or four or five guys that, man, I'm excited about their potential, that they could be so contributors. Right. But see, that's the thing. It's like I'm right with you there, and then you say I'm excited about their potential. You know, for what the Jazz want to accomplish, I just what are the odds a rookie is going to pull that off? I mean, Donovan Mitchell, as good as he is, he did help them win a first-round playoff series. But the list of rookies who can help you win a first-round playoff series, which I'm totally with you on the three levels. Uh, you know, the, the Warriors are, are the one team that's trying to... Well, no, because the Blazers got in. The Warriors are the team that's trying to hopscotch from completely not a factor back into top four were a factor. And, and they've got you know three veterans that if they're all healthy... They're, and a they're, great pick. they're probably top four. Now, the Rockets and the Thunder, you know, the Thunder making a huge trade here, and they've had a coaching change. Are they really in that first tier? No. Right. I put them in the second tier. At you know, best. The Rockets, you're right. It might not work, right? It's, it's chemistry and it's personality and do all the pieces fit together. Too much of a mystery right now. If the Rockets and Thunder drop, the Lakers, and we're assuming everybody's healthy, which we know won't happen, right? The Warriors were gutted last year. The Lakers were gutted two years ago. You can always go back and find someone, but we don't know who it is, so let's just assume everyone's healthy. It's not right our now. guys. That's what. That's right, what it won't happen to us. Uh, but if it does, we'll immediately go, hey, look at the injuries. Um, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets. I don't see any reason that they should drop out of the top four unless they're the one who gets unlucky and, and gets gutted by injuries. So you've got, you've got those three teams now. Could the Warriors move into the top four? Sure. The Jazz, the Mavericks, and the Blazers. You know, the Blazers are getting Nurkic back. That's, to me, the big acquisition. Uh, if Covington's a nice piece, great. But getting Nurkic back is the, big, is the big deal for them. Can one of those teams move into the top four? Sure. Right. But that's four teams, and you can't wedge them all in without pulling, <laughs> pulling somebody out. Yeah, I mean, somebody's got to stay on the fridge. They do. Uh, the Jazz, let them figure that out. Uh, I, I'm, you, you just make your team better, and can they, I think they can get somebody who can come in. And not, I'm not asking major, but I think they can get somebody who can come in and contribute this season at their level, not at the stars' level, at their level. And maybe I'm just getting too hyped up over Pac-12 guys, and I don't even know if they'll draft a Pac-12 guy. There's a TCU kid. You look at his stats and thinking, man, why is he still? Why is he so low? It seems like he should be higher. So maybe I'm getting overexcited. And then I have to caution myself and go with the uh, the name. Remember Morris Allman? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was excited for him. And he never really panned out. He scored. What he scored? 50-something in some college game or G League game yeah. or D League, whatever. But he was called. a four-year guy, and he pretty, ma- yeah. pretty much maxed out his talent and didn't, you know. Couldn't. Larry was excited to have him, and mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I'll buy into it. And he never really panned out. Okay, so what if they use the pick on someone who's clearly a project? Are you going to be disappointed then? They got. Well, they got Link- I think by definition he is a project. They got. There was one mock draft I saw as I go through these, and there's a uh, an eight in uh, a nineteen year old. I guess he's just turning nineteen year old uh, seven footer who's like two hundred and five pounds. Oh, jeez! I know, right? He's completely raw, but apparently he is highly. That's thirty skilled. pounds less than you, right? And he is, <laughs> but apparently he's very skilled. 
And so they were saying, hey, he's, he's a project because obviously he's got to grow in his body. He's, just a, he's a skinny teenager, but he is highly skilled. They're not even sure that he's a, a Rudy Gobert center. They think he might actually be uh, more the, the face-up three-point shooter, so he's a stretch four, Wh- whatever he's going to be. But apparently, uh, athletic and can shoot. Now, I don't like you, it. you and I have never seen him. I, I know, like we, but if they've seen those, him. Those and, guys, do they pan out, though? I realize I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because I'm going towards a don't attach somebody else's failure on me. <laughs> right. So I know. I, I, I realize that. I get it. Well, you I'm just on. have to trust that, you know, it's uh, – I mean, we always, we always, you know, talk about one or two guys, but it, there's a whole – it, it's team. There's tons of people scouting. There's literally people based internationally. And so if you trust your people and if the whole team comes together, and so, you know, Dennis or Jay-Z makes the pick and comes on the air and says, says this is why, you're like, well, four years from now is going to come. If this guy's going to be all that in four years, all right, then, it, then it's a good draft pick. But it doesn't, it doesn't do it for this year. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Dylan Cauley coming up to talk Cougar football in about 15 minutes. We've got a two-part question today. Got one for BYU fans. You can step into Kalani Sataki shoes and make the decision next. And good news is, no matter what you do, you get criticized. So, you know, pick your personal right answer next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. If Rudy Gobert is eligible for a Supermax, but not given the Supermax, does that upset him to the point where like, wow, I've done everything that was asked of me and these guys don't apparently think I'm worth that. So if they're offering me 30 and somebody else is offering me 30, I'm going to go take the 30 from somebody else because they like me more. If I'm Rudy, I stop and I look at my deficiencies. I know I'm amazing in certain areas and I think to myself, well, where is the game going? Well, the game is going to stretching bigs. I can't even hit a jumper. Even if he gave him a Supermax contract, I don't know how marketable he is because he's a rim defender. And I just hope his representation is to a point where like, okay, let's be realistic about the situation. You're not Steph Curry. You're not LeBron James. You're not Giannis. Those are guys that are going to get Supermaxes and frankly deserve Supermaxes. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Action Plumbing Heating and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. All right, question of the morning, part two for you BYU fans with North Alabama 0-3 looming and a chance to see a very lopsided game. How much should style points matter for BYU? Blair tells us normally they say go for it. However, this week I think mercy is the better part of style. This is going to be a hard game to watch. And I still will. But I'd rather watch BYU treat a team like this with respect and sportsmanship. Let the chips fall where they may. Don't exactly know what that looks like on a football field, PK. You're going to be running and tackling and, I mean... Guys aren't going to veer out of bounds at the one-yard line like Nick Chubb. They're going to score touchdowns. Uh, to me, yeah, style points this don't. Week it, yeah, style points to me, they, they start losing meaning after about 30 points. If you've beaten somebody by 30, you've clubbed them. I mean, go out and score another touchdown if you want, but it doesn't change my opinion. You're way better than them. You know, it, you get out there by four uh, touchdowns, yeah, and pretty much know. beaten. It's, you're, you're entering a beauty contest. By definition, you're entering a beauty contest. True. 
because it's not a playoff bracket where you win in advance. It's not the NCAA tournament. It's just not, you know, as I say, the playoff bracket. So it's a beauty contest to begin with. Now, you're going to get nothing out of North Alabama. This really isn't the game we're speaking of. We're speaking of should they add another opponent and San Diego State. Because if they add another opponent, they're just not going to play a game to play a game. I think that's dumb. They play a game to uh, boost your resume. So you got to get at least a halfway decent opponent. And San Diego State minimally is a halfway decent opponent. They've got a program. They've built a nice program the last few years. The San Jose loss notwithstanding. Maybe San Jose has one of those teams that we speak of. Somehow these teams like them and Fresno, Fresno a little bit more, they pull out something every few years, and you go, wow. It's just, it's like the Sun Devils at the Pac-12 level. Uh, you know, Every few years they pull out a team, and you go, man, that's a really good team. And then you know they go and regroup. But nevertheless, San Jose State is a decent program. And if you could beat them by 45 as opposed to 30, I think it matters because it's a beauty contest. And I think they have to do that. And... That's going to help him. Kalani Sataki was asked about this in his weekly media availability. Here's his answer. I like winning. That's, I mean, I want to be at our best and then win the game. And then whatever happens and however everybody evaluates it, uh, that's, that, that they can see it however they want. I think the most important thing for us is to be at our best this weekend. And, and uh, if that's stylish to everybody, great. But I've been – not, I'm not a guy all about style. I'm like UPK. I don't have the uh, the dress and the wardrobe to to match it. Everything I wear is pretty much free. So uh, comes to that stuff. If if the team's looking at my style, then it's probably you know really uh, really I don't know how you say it. Just normal. But if you're looking at like the way some of these other guys dress, then they'd be flashy. But in terms of football, we want to be at our best. And whatever happens, whatever the scoreboard shows, I think if we're at our best, we can live with the results. And, of course, he was referring to you. You asked the question, way to go, PK. Your style, looking good. How dare he accuse <laughs> me of not being stylish? We were wearing, like, three different teams yesterday on that Zoom call. <laughs> oh, brother. I thought that was a great answer, though. <laughs> not like Almost you, PK. I'm wearing free, free stuff. <laughs> That's true. But we know from being around coaches, they largely wear free stuff. Well, it's their school stuff yep. that they have to wear, basically. They're being paid to wear it. It's not only is it free, they're being paid to wear it. <laughs> so, uh, and I get from the coaching standpoint, but, you know, I was watching uh, Urban Meyer on Saturday morning, and he was talking about it. He talked about Cincinnati because they had a discussion. So it's him, Brady Quinn, and then the two SC guys, Leinert and Bush. And they're talking about uh, – can, can Cincinnati and BYU get in? And the reason why BYU is getting all this run is because they beat the crap out of people. I don't think they get near as much run if they don't open Labor Day 55-3. to If they win 24-21, I don't think they get near the run. And Boise, most recently, by putting 50 plus, what, they put 55 on them? What was, the, what was, the, was that what the 51. final was? 51-17. Okay. Oh, that's right. 55 Navy, 51 uh, Boise. Mm-hmm. That's where I got my 55. I got my 55 mixed up. So that's uh, that, That's almost 100 points, guys. And when you do that, you attract attention. DJ and PK will talk about all of this with Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. He will join us next. Stay with us.